Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Last week we looked at the life taker, which is Satan, and too often we put too much emphasis on him, and we find ourselves distracted and led in a massive deception, or we can look at the life giver, which is Jesus, the authentic one. And as we look at him, what happens is we engage and we replace our insecurities, our worries, our doubts, our fears, and we gain his confidence, his hope, his power, his peace, and his passion, as he's the life-giving power. We find redemption in him. And no longer do we look down and just what's around us going on around us and so moved by the chaos and we will find ourselves battling at times, but we look up and we see the one who's holding us and leading us and guiding us. We want to be life-giving in all we do. We want people to experience life. And this today is going to be a day we are going to define life as how God defines life. You can't be giving and In a situation, what would be even the point to give dollars or resources if we didn't know what we're giving dollars or resources for? What would be the point to create an atmosphere that we wanted individuals to feel life-giving power of Jesus, but we didn't really define what is God's view on life and does he care about each person here? So we talk about life-giving today. We're going to look at the image of God. And I have a picture right here. It's of my wife when she's, let's see here. How old are you? Let's see. You're two? You're two? You're two here? You're two. You probably can't see that, but uh, this is my wife, and at two, and he ever, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you, you ever had somebody say, oh, you look just like your parents. I can see your parents in your image. And, and you get this uncomfortable feeling. I don't want to look like my parents. Uh, but you're like, no, I'm happy I look like my parents. And it's just awkward. And it's happened to everybody. Plus, what's even a little bit more awkward is when you're like, gonna go kiss, you know, your wife or maybe girlfriend at the time or whatever it is. And you're like, you look a little bit like your parents. <laughs> Me, your dad. <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> Thank God for my father-in-law. He's a man of God. Pictures say so much. The image and nature of God. Did you know that you are made in the image of God and you look like your father? Your father not on earth, but you look like your father in heaven. And too often we found ourselves looking in the mirror and we see our shortcomings. We see our issues. We see our sin. But we miss the whole point that God has created us in his image for something remarkable. We're going to go to Genesis 1 and we're looking at the story of creation today. And a little introduction and on-ramp into the story of creation is that God invites and welcomes science. So God is, to, to be a part of faith, in no way, shape, or form does not mean that you can have a love and attention for anatomy, astronomy. You, God is so orderly. He welcomes big questions. And as we look at Genesis, too often we've heard it, this is exactly what it looks like, this literal, wait, it's a captivating story. And the point being that there's an author behind all of what we see And there's an orchestration to it all, that your body right now is working effectively, the organs collectively, together synergistically to keep you and me alive. How does that happen? You're breathing involuntarily. 
Is there something significantly different between you and any other species that walks on this planet today? And I think we all know and deep in our heart that there is something different in each one of us. And what that's called is, it's a theological term for the Imago Dei, that we believe every single person is made in the image of God. That every single person has divine DNA fingerprinted from heaven that you have been made by God for God. The life giver wants to meet us today in a life-giving way. Genesis 1 verse 26 it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Scholars have debated the our being the Trinity here. It's where you see the Trinity, the triune God show up. That God is fully in harmony with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ the Son. Okay, mind blowing. But wait for a minute before you dismiss such a crazy thought. Can you even fathom space? <laughs> Can we fathom eternity? So I think we see some seeds here of those things and... The flat earth people, we'll just leave that on another conversation. But the endless amount of time and space and the fact that God could create you in our, his being talking about himself and his likeness where he's at, it's not that implausible because we see the seeds of it all the time. We're seeing the effects of it. We're seeing the evidence. And let them have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the birds and the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What this text here is differentiating in that you are significantly different than every single species on the planet other than humanity, humankind. You are different than every single other species on this planet. You have been made in the image of God. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 27, highlight that again. So God created man as his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Life. God breathed life into people, into you, into who you are. I think we can dismiss this so quick because we want to talk about what we want to do for people. We want to be infect, uh, effectively serve people. We want to engage lives. We want to see lives transformed. But where do we even draw such a conviction or a moral compass? And what I find most fascinating about God of scriptures in the Bible is the intimacy that he cares about us so deeply that our origin is connected to him, that he's divinely made you and created you. And so that gives you foundation for hope and confidence. Before we even get to how does Jesus free us, it gives you a posture that says, wow, image of God, me? Now, too often, sometimes people wear this as a little bit of a banter or even a boistering. You see this in the hip hop community, like we're all gods. Hey, a little God, what's up, God? Like, you a God, you a God. And you can see people walk around like God, self-proclaimed gods on their own throne. And that's not the type of gods we're talking about. We're talking about ones that are made in the image of God. So that when you believe, if my origin has come from God, there's a certain humility that a child has. There's this humility. They know they can't do it on their own. They came from another source. They need the help of their parents. They need to be connected. And they will resemble. They're not identical, so that's the difference, 
likeness and having qualities in the nature mean different than us being just like God as far as identical, that we are God. We aren't God, but we bear qualities and likeness and nature that we have been made in the image of God. Latin being the imago Dei. The imago Dei, that every single person has been made into the image of God. God has breathed his life into us. And as we talk about life, we're gonna get into um, some tough spots in our hearts today. And so I wanna invite us into the ability to not conclusively define or decide where individuals are at or even where you're at. I would challenge you today to let God speak to you. And I believe as um, even the tension I feel is so, it's so healthy, it's so good because I, what I believe God wants to do today is set his kids free in such a way that they have been in bondage because you've never believed your worth but also been in bondage because you've been deceived on what your worth is. And so we've minimized and discounted how valuable you are and how important you are and how there's a serious issue going on of what is life and how God defines life. And Satan does not want you to walk and be healthy and to be strong. He wants to destroy you and kill you and wants to distract you because why? He hates God. And what do you remind him of? God. And so who does he hate? He hates you then. And so do everything possible to distract and discourage and lead us astray, to destroy us any means possible. We think destruction, we think addiction, or we think broken houses, and we think jobs and shambles. No, 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 no. It could be literally just on how you view another person. It could be on how you view your worth. It could be on how you interact with the people in your daily setting because really that reflects where your confidence comes from and your confidence comes from Christ and God wants to pour that into us today. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, before I formed you in the womb, check this, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knew us before we were ever even born. He knew you before you were born. Galatians 1.15 says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, starting to get in the picture of how much God cares about you and me, before your family could even provide for you, before they could find themselves excited about your picture, and for some of us, you've never had anybody excited about your picture. In fact, if you go back and look at your family photos, it's filled with a lot of pain. So a lot of hurt, it's filled with abuse, physically, emotionally, mentally. And today I pray that God would pull back and get close to your hearts and show you that he's known you since the beginning. And he defines the beginning before you were even had a birth certificate, social security card. God sees you and he sees you intimately. Psalm 139 says this, For I formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written. Every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as it was, as that yet there was none of them. This morning, I pray today that you would hear loud and clear this, that you are made in the image of God. And God knew you before you were even born. And he cares so deeply. Maybe you're familiar with 1973 Roe versus Wade. And you think about the law that was passed to give women, women the right to choose on what you could do with a baby that was unborn at the time and whether you could abort it and defining and the differences of mental health or physical health of how that's defined. And, and today I want to just slow us down and say this. There's people that make decisions. Sometimes they don't even fully know why. They just know they don't want to be like you. <laughs> So maybe they're pro-choice just because they've been so turned off by pro-life. ERS. RS. Apostrophe. ERS. And maybe you're pro-life because you found yourself, you had a baby, and you saw how awesome and beautiful the experience was. But maybe you're pro-choice because you've seen the pain. And so God, what he does is this. He is going to level the playing field today because each one of us have the ability to find freedom as we look at how he defines life. And we're being invited into a conversation that is way bigger than just a court case. It's way bigger than a ruling. It's way bigger than a website or agenda or any nonprofit. It is about what God we serve for the rest of our lives forever. It's about where we will spend eternity. That's the greatest issue that mankind has ever faced. That if God is real, then he deserves a lot of attention. And if the afterlife is real, then it's forever. So it's a pretty important question. Like how it, we defined it, how do we engage with it? And you have all of the philosophers of this day trying to describe, here's how you'll inherit eternal life. Here's how you get it. And Jesus is so fascinating because I love this. All of the pain of the world that I felt was always earn something to get here or be pushed down. You can't make it there. You'll never get there. And you kind of got to rise up. You got to get your Gary Vanderchuk or your Eric Thomas messages on. You got to rise up and say, you know, I'm going to do this. It's me. But you know, it's something I still couldn't do it sometimes. And I love what Jesus does. He came down and said, I found you at your worst place. You know that place when you're pulled in an alley and no one knew and you're, you're feeling like you're struggling or you're insecure. And you know those thoughts that no one else saw? I saw. And by the way, I want to show you my freedom and everything that I have, you can have it for free. Man, it sounds too good to be true. It almost sounds like cheap grace, right? So scandalous that God would forgive people. And one of the greatest illustrations of that, truths rather, would be when the thief on the cross is acknowledging the worth of Jesus. And Jesus says, today you will be in paradise. You will be in paradise. A person will find forgiveness and love and peace. You are made in the image of God. I want you to check this uh, part one video out and we're gonna look at just a little bit of it's Desiring God and Humble Beast came together. Three uh, performers named Show Baraka, Propaganda, and Jackie Hill. So check this first art out.
start off by acknowledging the obvious. I'll never know the the flutters, the fears, the frustration, the joy, the aches, the pains, the isolation, the mood swings, the monument. I'll never know the feeling of connection with all that came before you because all that came before you came the same way through you. And I'll never know the the miracle, the letdown, the strength of mind and body, the fortitude, determination, the crisis, the feeling of unwanted and irreplaceable at the same time, the wonder. I can only conjecture why. Well, it's obvious. I'm not a woman and I'll never be pregnant. Sorry. I'm sorry for my misogyny, for my patriarchy, for my privilege. I would apologize for all men, but it wouldn't be sincere. For centuries we vacillated from tyrants to juveniles, benefiting off of systems that didn't consider you or your voice. And to think like me as a black man, I should have caught this right. Like I know what it's like for legislation to feel like it's more oppressive than it is liberating. Like we both know what it's like to be a social experiment, to be a non-essential variable in the thesis of Margaret Sanger and eugenics. Like Sanger had a plan, and it seems to be the same plan as the justice system is to get rid of them before or after. But I see more clearly now, and I want to change the narrative. I was passive and silent while they killed our children. I let pundits and popular culture tell me what to think. But now when I fight for life, it will be a comprehensive, compassionate continuum of care. I love you and I love that child. And I am here for the day we will no longer have to debate the question, what is a person? What is a person? We're going to continue the conversation this morning. This is the 73 verse 17, the little dash was 1973, just the ruling as we uh, partake in this country all the way to 2017 and just the amount of unborn babies that have been terminated, uh, that have never experienced life. And, and the question comes down to if, are they, a, is there a soul and when does that soul come? And for us, we got to stop and pause and say, what do we believe and who do we answer to? How do we respond? Is it just as simple as, whether I vote or is there a God that has intimately made me and that he intimately cares about all people. And what we find is the conversation is bigger than we thought and it's holier than we thought and it's challenging and more convicting than we thought, but it's more liberating than we ever dreamt or imagined. And I find the Christian worldview it is so beautiful because what it does is says I answer to God regardless and it calls me to a place of peace and love and reconciliation for all people and so those that have misrepresented Christ weren't representing Christ in a particular moment if they're misrepresenting him but what they find themselves is an inaccurate depiction in that setting the image doesn't look fully perfect and that's where the battle and the wrestle comes in and we start to pull back the curtain, we see, wow, there's probably truth here. 
because if truth is just relative and if anybody can just find it, then why don't you just decide to drive home on the wrong side of the road today? Well, there's order. It's truth, you could say. Well, where did we find that? Where do we get that type of conviction, that higher authority? Because otherwise, if we don't answer and we don't have any type of formula, boundaries, then you could say a godless society would be the scariest society because now it would say, let's just select anybody and anything at any particular time for our benefit, for our advancement. And that's what you find. And people have done it in the name of Jesus. They've done it in the name of power. They've done it in the name of greed. They've created kingdoms and they've, what they've done is suppressed people so long and they found themselves, but here's what's crazy. What about if that was genuinely your belief? What about if you thought that you didn't answer to anybody? That person would be the scariest to me. That's scary that I'm concerned about my life. Scary because that wouldn't be beneficial for a society, for people that we're genuinely trying to build and effectively thrive and see us love and, and have power and passion and relationships and in families and community. We would not have a conviction for that. I want to watch another video here real quick. This is an abortion survivor. Her name's Gianna Jessen. And she's speaking um, like British Parliament. It's just crazy uh, minute clip here. And so stay with this. Stay at the end of your seats. I think today God is going to do something. He's going to um, do a reversal on more of us than we think. This is not about just one particular cause here. This is about the greatest cause, which is us in relationship with God. Check this out. I'm adopted and my biological mother was 17 and so was my biological father. She was seven and a half months pregnant when she decided to go to Planned Parenthood, which is the largest abortion provider in the world, and they counseled her to have a late-term saline abortion, which is a saline salt solution that is injected into the mother's womb. The baby gulps that solution, it burns the baby inside and out, and then she is to deliver a dead baby within 24 hours. And to everyone's great shock and surprise, uh, I didn't arrive dead but alive on April the 6th, 1977, in a Los Angeles County abortion clinic. What's fantastic about this, about the perfect timing of my arrival, is that the abortionist was not on duty yet. So he wasn't even given the opportunity to continue on with his plan for my life, which was death. And I know that I'm in a government building, and a beautiful one it is, and I love your country as well as my own. But I know in the age that we live in, it is not at all politically correct to say the name of Jesus Christ in places like this. To, to bring him into these sorts of meetings because his name can make people so terribly uncomfortable. But I didn't survive so I could make everyone comfortable. I survived so I could stir things up a bit. And I have a great time doing it. <laughs> Um, man, so many emotions. And I want to say this. Um, Christians for too long have, you know, we're known for what we're against. 
we're against this, we're, you know, people are against Planned Parenthood. And I, I genuinely believe there's people that just operate, um, just they partake in life of what, whatever's given in front of them and they don't know yet, they're not woke and they don't find themselves even thinking or considering other avenues. And I remember uh, just even like the thought process of the day after pill, that was just kind of like a way of life. If, if, if my girlfriend said something like that or uh, different in high school and college, it would just be a way, of, it's, oh, that's what happens. And, and, um, and so it's not that far-fetched that the, it just, it's just God's grace in my life. I mean, anything's possible. And there's people here today that you, you, you've uh, been on the different side of that. You were the one that signed up and said, uh, you know, my, my daughter or my son's not here because of that. And you have your reasons and you're hurting your pain. And, 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 and I want to just say this. I am sorry for too many people that have divided the line and said what we're against you. When Jesus, he finds right in the midst of your craziest, scariest moments, he comes up and he shows up and he says, I love you. And he's there for the victim and he's there for the guilty. He is, and he's offering forgiveness for both. And you see that on the cross. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. You ever been dumb and didn't know what you were doing and then you changed your opinion because you finally started to think differently? Right? It just changed because something happened in your life. Like, I just think differently now. I'm thinking differently. I see differently. And that's been my story. Seeing differently. Never thinking about kids. Never thinking about life. And so the issue today is, what is, what is life? And when you think about life, I, I got to talk about race too. Because race, you think about, oh, well, what person is made in the image of God? Which one's not? Which one is? You can't, you'd have to be naive to just think about in this country. Did you know that one out of nine African-American children's parents will be in jail? That minorities make up like 30% of the population, but yet 65% of the incarceration rate. Why? That just happened because they commit more crimes? What you find is that Whites commit more, white males commit more violent crimes, but are always convicted of lower sentences because we have prejudices and we have different systems in place. Because think about it. You could bring equality for a people group and you could say, okay, here's the freedom we both experience now. But by the way, the system has been put in place. You know, basically the deck stacked against you, but it'll be good in about 30 years. It's fine. Just forget about it. Like Crystal's family, they came from Mexico. And so her parents had to experience different types of uh, looks and, and frustrations and pressures at their job that, that Crystal and I, we don't experience it the same way. Because people think I'm Mexican recently. This has been the coolest thing ever last three. They thought I'm Mexican and they thought she's white. She's Mexican, I'm white. And my name's Jerome. So I want to just think I'm white when they meet me. Because you're always stereotyping. And what God does is this. He, he finds himself trying to stand up for the least. Do we think we're the least? Do we think we're above somebody signing that type of paper? Do we think that we're above going into Planned Parenthood? Do we think that that couldn't happen to us? How do we define life? Here's the point. You have never looked at somebody who does not matter to God. Ever. You've never looked at anybody who didn't matter to God. Unborn and born. What does that mean? That means we weep with both sides. We care with both sides. We're in the game so deeply. Jesus, please bring your freedom. Bring your passion. So we got to say sorry because you know what we've done with our mouth too often? 
We've cursed people made in the image of God. James 3, 9 says, with it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. You get it? How when you're belittling somebody and saying this person isn't worth something, look at them, they're all idiots. Do we know their upbringing? I remember I was riding a bike with this guy. Yeah, he plays basketball. He's, he's a real intense dude. And he gets mad in the basketball court sometimes. I never, I kind of discounted him thinking, I don't know how, what his intellectual level is. I know he's 50 and he can't hoop that good. And whatever, we're biking. I really don't want to talk to anybody today, but we're biking. And I say, well, he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I got city life. And oh, it's great. He's like, what do you do? I'm a retired cop. Oh, you are interesting. Well, actually detective. Wow, detective. I'm sitting here, you know, my heart starts beating a little bit quicker. I'm like, you know, I don't even know if I did something wrong, but that's how I'm feeling. And uh, and he says, he says, uh, he says, you know what I found? I was doing inner city work because he, he was hearing about city life and the inner city work we do in the schools and in the neighborhoods. And, and uh, he said, what I found was this. He's like, you can't blame the way that people respond in the inner city. It's just a product of the culture and what the system that's been put there. And too often we're trying to take their dignity and hold them to a standard that they've never even seen. They don't even have the resources for. So what I would train my people, and this is what I told, I said, he said, it's so corrupt, it's so broken. He goes, if you take someone's dignity, you've taken everything they had. And I don't care how you arrested them, what they were doing. He goes, you cannot take their dignity. I'm sitting here thinking, this guy is deep. It was awesome. And he challenged me that day to think even further that I don't know what it's like in certain settings, just like you didn't know what it was like for me. You don't know what it's like to be raised the way I was raised. And I don't know what it's like to be raised the way you were raised. But if I just look at the fruit, this is what we do, then I never get an opportunity to actually speak into the root for the gospel. And so if we just look at a cause and we just say, oh, it's about abortion, it's just about race. Yeah, those things are true, but here's the point too. You could go to an all-white school, your friend could move in from New York, he could dress like a, uh, he was all inner city, and you know what everyone could call him? They could call him a wigger and make fun of him because he wasn't smart, he didn't talk good. And you know what happened? And that kid getting one of fights every day. That kid being one of my best friends and living with me. And you know what? Because look, sin knows no color. The real issue has always been and always will be the three-letter word sin. We're sick with it. We're broken with it. We're guilty with it. So everyone today, you got to know this. You're made in God's image. But everyone today is guilty. Everybody. We all are. This is the gospel. This is what's so life-giving about the gospel. And we've been too arrogant for too long. We should be reconciliation agents. And we stand up for the least of these. So if one part of the body's hurting... Specifically, if you just look in this country, minorities have been oppressed and they're hurting. They're not in power. There's a reason they're not on every superhero uh, movie. I mean, look at just the casting. And it doesn't make sense. You're instantly, some of it get, get rebuttal because you look at your high school pictures and it was everybody who looked just like you. You think that just happened? And then you look at them and you think it's us versus them. But if we just surround ourselves with the same type of body parts all the same time, what we're never going to do is never understand the purpose or the effectiveness of the other body parts and how God made people in the image of God. And you don't know that until you start trying different types of food. There's your first case study. Try different types of food. You're like, I didn't even know there was flavors like this. I watched this video the other day. This guy's this white kid. He's get his hair cut. And he's like, man, he's like, look, white barbers, you're horrible. I went to a black barber. It was the best thing in the world. And it was just the funniest thing. Yo, open up. Get outside the box a little bit. That God knows you. He wants to see you. He intimately cares about you. It was this week where um, I was at the gym again. Makes it sound like I'm a workout buff. For the record, it's always, it's every time I start is a recommitment. So each week. So I missed Wednesday. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. 
Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. Uh, I missed Wednesday. I missed Thursday. I, I was just so excited. I'm getting back. I'm like, yes, Friday, here I come. I'm there. I'm rowing, and the phone starts ringing. I look down, and it's Crystal. And I'm like, she doesn't ever call me right when I'm working out. I answer the phone. She says, uh, yeah, it's uh, um, one of the twins. I don't even know who yet. So one of the twins, they were playing with the car. It got stuck in his eye. They pulled it out, and it, it's bleeding everywhere. And I was like, go to the hospital. Click. What do you got in your mind? Same image I got, right? Car in the eyeball, pulled out. What does it look like? I don't know. It's down. Um, we can laugh about it because I, I wouldn't even be smiling if it was crazy today, right? But we get there and I get to the hospital finally and it was the, it was the antenna wire from a remote control car and it got caught into his eyelid and it got pulled and, and, it, got, and it just missed about a millimeter off from the eyeball. And Crystal was getting ready to hang out with friends too. It was just a cool time and, and she had to leave and, and we spent the, most of the day. And it was, I, what I realized was it was a family day that we got to just spend time with the Imago Day and the greatest Imago days in my life, which would be my family and getting to hang out together. And God interrupted and just a millimeter different, he would have had to have surgery but Kingston was fine and God spoke to me. But I was also thinking, you know what? There's somebody that had a hot wheel in their eye and that isn't able to see anymore. Which side do we care about? Are we gonna be there present for both situations? And can you imagine me walking into the doctor's office and saying this? Look, I know his eye hurts, but I love ankles and I wanna talk about ankles. So ignorant, right? That's what we say. We say, look, why do we gotta care about people that are struggling? Well, 56% of African-American boys don't graduate high school here in Lansing. The Capitol's right by there. I don't, that, that should get our attention. Millions of dollars, kids struggling. Just seems like we need to stand in the gap a little bit. What does that mean? What it means is this, that, okay, if there's an eyeball bleeding, right? Come on, give it up. If there's an eyeball bleeding, we don't just come in and say, let's start working on the ankle. We're trying to adjust and reallocate so we can find people getting the same opportunities and not opportunities just for a good lifestyle and opportunities that they could be connected to God. And that's the greatest thing. And here's what God calls us. This is so convicting. This is where he calls his people. You know where he calls you and me? That even when we're oppressed, even when the system's bad, doesn't mean we just take it and we just roll over. But what it means though, is we're going to try to be gentle in love and forgiving and even say, God, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That they're made in the image of God too. Wow. So in any setting we've ever been in, God has been challenging us. And if we find ourselves in today thinking, all right, what is, what is the next cause? There's causes everywhere. And I think this gets so crippling because some of us, you're, you're um, you know, so about life. Some of you so about water. Some of you so about inner city kids. Some of you so about farms. Some of you so about all these different things. They, what happens is you, you don't know where to pick. You don't know where to choose because everybody's so loud saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. Help these situations. Especially now, you know what it is? www.lookatthis, www.whatever, lookatthis.com. Everybody's selling something. Everybody's trying to get you to give money to them. And so I think the tendency is to do just a stiff arm and say, I'm not doing anything anymore. I know what happens in my own heart when I think about just stopping and crippling and saying, no. Nah. And I want to invite you that God is calling us to do for one what we wish we could do for all. You might not ever get to sit with somebody that has lost a baby. You not, might not be able to sit with somebody that has struggled 
with incarceration for family and generation. You know, I might be able to sit with somebody that's dealing with world hunger and their families in a third world country and they're a refugee. You might not sit with them, but I'm telling you this, you will sit with somebody who's dealing with pain and God wants you to be present. It's the Dr. Seuss quote. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. See, God knew you. God knows you and he loves you. Sounds crazy. And the story of creation, the Imago Dei, is that you and me, sin has affected us so much, not just one part of us. This is what's so crazy. And so this is where the sinner said, amen. And this is where the, 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 the righteous person's mad because isn't it a test? Can I run a race? Can I read a book? No, no, no. Compared to God, our sinfulness, it says holistically, we're all dead unable to make any part of us right. That every part of us is imperfect and, and broken apart from regeneration in Christ. That originally he made us, but there was a fall. And that's where you see wickedness. This is where you see this greed, this, this, this monopolies going on. And God is trying to set us free for new systems. And one day there really will be a new world order. It will be Jesus and his kingdom and his people and his tribes. And they will be dominating. It will look like business and trade and new city and new Jerusalem. And we're going to all be hanging out. No more tears, no more pain, no more, none of that. But newsflash, it comes later. It's okay. We'll experience some glimpse now. We'll have some ER trips now, but we're going to stand up. And so though sin came through Adam, there's this tweet I love. It said, Adam hides behind a tree. You might feel like this today. Want to hide behind a tree because you feel broken, naked and covered in shame. Jesus hangs on a tree naked and conquers your shame today, today, today. See, Jesus is the exact image of God. He's not even the likeness. And he's making us into his likeness. That's what happens when you exchange your life for Christ. When you let him come in, he exchanges your filthiness and he gives you his complete righteousness and then he makes you more and more and more like him. It's liberating. It's exciting. That's the good news. It's the good news. So hopefully you're hearing what the good news is about this morning. The good news offers forgiveness for all people, but it responds to people that are struggling and that are battling. I want you to check this last part out because what is a person? A person is you. A person is me, both body and soul, both color and conscience. I am a made thing, a created one for Christ's glory, and he made me a mirror. Those moments inside of my mother's womb tell the story of his beauty, and I don't even remember, but my mother does. She remembers those days that I would eat all of her food without asking for permission. She tells me about the moments I would hiccup and jerk her torso into laughter, and we laugh about those moments because I ain't changed a bit. I might be able to walk on my own now, but I am still as hungry and as human as I was back then. And ain't that the point? That personhood doesn't change with age. It begins the moment the blueprint of God unfolds itself in the womb and it will not end, even when you try to shatter a mirror or two. So I suggest you sit down, you look at yourself because a person 
Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Um, so you got your picture, right? And I pray today that you recognize that you're made in the image of God. And I pray today that you also recognize that every single person has been made into the image of God. You know what action looks like from here? It says we do for the least in any way we can that serves God, that we do it unto God. And we do say all lives matter, but you know what? The truth is right now, there are some lives that need more attention. So if you see something like black lives matter, you shouldn't get, like, you should actually be, amen, tell me more. Because my God, he shows up where people are struggling. My God says, no matter your background, you find yourself Hispanic, Asian, you're in the Middle East, wherever you're at, Jesus shows right up. And the lie is that we've been making Jesus to be a political party. We've been making Jesus to be a certain type of system. We've been making Jesus to be a school when Jesus was for the people. Why? Because he wanted to connect the people, what God cares most about, back forever. Period. Forever. That's the good news. And so we find ourselves being able to stand up in Christ to find forgiveness in Jesus for anybody. Can you let Jesus give you life this morning and be life-giving to you? Somebody that you know, maybe they have uh, dealt with injustice. Maybe you can just love them and listen. Before we post about what pro-life thing we're supporting or somebody supporting. Do you know anyone that's on the other side? Did you offer to adopt? Did you find yourself loving even the workers? And it's interesting because isn't that who Jesus is? I mean, it's so hard, but it's so good because I don't want it to be about me and I don't want it to be about you because you and me, we aren't perfect. But when it's about God, then we can create some perfect rhythms that look like him. And even in the midst of chaos, when you get a phone call that says the Hot Wheels in the kid's face, and even in the midst of chaos, you remember who's the author. And I remember driving there being like, I'm gonna put on some worship music because even if his eye can't see, we still gotta move because God is still good and this world is temporary. And one day we will be made new and Jesus is my home forever. And we will live to him, love him, serve him completely. Wow, what would happen? City life, what would happen? I know what would happen. More people would come to know God. More people would come to know God. You and me, we have never looked at somebody who does not matter to God. Now today, I wanna to offer prayer. Prayer is where you're sitting. You don't have to come up and feel all weird. It could be you're in the back, you're in wherever, you're hiding behind uh, the screen there. Um, if you've been affected and hurt in some way, shape or form, God's love is here. If you need forgiveness because you have judged so deeply in your heart, maybe you've gotten professional at, no one can tell, but you know when you read the newspaper, you know. It's interesting to find uh, what people, uh, making hip hop music, just how hip hop music would make people cringe over the years. And it was so interesting because I remember sitting with a kid driving and I was like, hey, you wanna come to church? He was like, I don't know. I said, do you know any pastors? He said, I have been to some. I said, uh, they like hip hop? He goes, oh no, man, they don't like hip hop. You, God doesn't like hip hop. Well, I stopped and I paused and I remember thinking, interesting. He thinks God doesn't like hip hop. He makes hip hop. It's the flip side of the story. So what's he gonna think? God don't like me. 
And if I got to accept them, I got to change. But last time I checked, God makes music and Satan is the perverted one. And he's the one who tries to kill, steal, and destroy. And at the beginning, it's good. And some of the songs we sing at some of the deepest funerals were original bar songs. We don't know. We don't know. We got to come alive. Get woke. In Christ, though. In freedom. In power. In love. That's what it's all about. So we find forgiveness this morning. If you've sinned against the holy God, I pray you would put your faith and trust in Jesus. Seriously, don't put it off. For too many years, I put it off, but I knew, I knew. You're in this place, you know the Holy Spirit's been wrecking you. And I also pray for some people that you've been at the front lines for endurance for a really long time. Meaning you have been used to help change lives. You've changed in settings and neighborhoods and you've been the one enduring You've been the one paving the way. There's some pioneers in the room. I've talked to some of your parents. Think about your mom. The pioneers in the room that have been paving the way for a long time. They've been paving the way. And I pray this today, that you would feel special endurance from heaven. Do not grow weary in doing what's right. Do not grow weary in doing what's right. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Period. Do not. So labor in love, be diligently in Christ. As we close today, we're going to sing a song. Sing a song together in an attitude of prayer, though. In an attitude of prayer of what life-giving response does God want from me so I can come alive and be life-giving to wherever I'm at, to be there. Amen? Would you guys stand? We could close in prayer and close in song. And Jesus, um, today I pray in some way, shape, or form that the Holy Spirit would uh, unpack anything ridiculous I said and they would get right to the heart of what it's all about, that they are made in the image of God and so is every single person and that we care about those that are broken in the midst of us and we don't point a finger, but we come and we hug and we bring aid and we say, we're here. Let me, let me talk about that. What happened? What'd your dad do? What'd your mom do? I'm sorry, you don't have to feel that anymore. Jesus isn't like that. So the Holy Spirit would be in this room so powerfully right now to repair, to repair. God, there's too many people that have been wounded and they keep putting bandages on and ointments. They won't even let it scar up. They won't even get rehab anymore. God, will you do a mighty work to bring forgiveness in love? That we wouldn't hide our scars, but we would wear them. And we would say, hey, I'm not perfect, but I know the one who is. Holy Spirit, today, lead people to Jesus. Lead them to your word in the truth the definition of what life is and the moral hope of where it all comes from, which is you and your word. Today, guide and lead your people there. And God, we thank you that every single person here is that, a person made in the image of God with a soul that will live forever. And that reverence, this holy fear in front of a holy God 
that pauses and says, woe is me, but then finds the great exchange, all of me for all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's, let's sing. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.